This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and handsome Andy Hanselman behind the dials. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay on Twitter at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy Hanselman on Twitter at Emo6. Got a great program for you today. Uh, Joe Schwartz from the Birds on the Black and the Athletic will be joining us to talk about the Cardinals season opener. Gentlemen, we are one day away. It's from the 2018 Major League Baseball season, and it seems like it kind of snuck up, snuck up on us, doesn't it? A little bit. It snuck up, and it's kind of like that. It's like that Christmas that you look back on as a kid, and you're like, "Wow, that Christmas like sucked." Like you weren't super <laughs> excited about it. Like you weren't like giddy and trying to wake up in the middle of the night. You're like. Ah, uh, Christmas is tomorrow. <laughs> like maybe I'll get a pair of socks. There, I yeah. was gonna throw out the same analogy. It's like you know, usually it's like Christmas Eve around here, but uh, people just aren't real excited. I even know that we. I don't even think we have like a Cardinals casual day tomorrow. We might on. We might for the home opener. You, you probably will. I'm sure where I work at, we'll have one too. Yeah. What's yeah. a Cardinal? A Cardinals. You just wear Cardinals gear. Yeah. You like it's okay to wear uh, a Cardinals jersey, but you still have to wear your khakis. See, I get to wear sweatpants. Or you can wear jeans. Wear I jeans wear jeans every day because where I work, if you make a twenty uh, every month, if you make a twenty dollar donation to whatever the charity is they're sponsoring that month, you can wear jeans every day. That's not bad. So I just do that. Well, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Opening opening day coming o- up. Opening day. The, the season opener is tomorrow. Opening day. The home opener will not be until next week. I think what has a lot to do with the fact that we kind of feel like the Major League Baseball season is sneaking up on us is because of the weather. Yeah. It I, does not feel like baseball weather outside. It's it's cold and it's gray and it's gloomy. I feel like we're in Seattle, but without the great seafood and the wonderful coffee and the hip music scene. It's not a good time to be outside right now. It is not. It's really no, terrible. it's awful. It sucks. It's, uh, yeah, not, not opening day weather. It's just not life weather. I'm not excited. Yeah, it's 100% that. It's the here, Christmas I, where it just rained. It didn't it's, snow. It's, it's, it's rainy here. But it's stormy in D.C. <laughs> ah, thank you. I'll be here all week. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a little late, but here. Oh, and remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like that. But... You know the movie, right? Oh, absolutely. Office That's Office Space. space. Yeah. 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 Next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. Or either one of you, one of the 18 million people that watched the uh, the return of Roseanne and the Connor family last night. I think it's DVR'd. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm probably not going to be tuning in to Roseanne. I think you're too young for it. I'm not too... Uh, see, I'm a big fan no, of the I old mean, show. I, I like, mean, I know people your age that right. love that show. I love the old show. It's just, I'm tired of remake season. It's not even a season anymore. It's just, that's the way of life. No, I get it. Because I mean, it seems like that's what they're doing in Hollywood now, which is remaking, right. rehashing old stuff. I watched it last night. Okay, like the first few seasons of Roseanne, I liked a lot. I thought it was really sharp. Yeah. And I thought it really kind of hit the right tone at the right time. And I found the characters relatable too. But towards the end, 
I just got tired of hearing and seeing everybody's problems all the time. It's just maybe it was just like the point of my life. I'm like, look, I've got my own stuff I'm dealing with. I don't want to watch somebody else's. Right. Yeah. So I watched the the hour return last night, and it felt like Shameless was meaning Modern Family. Oh, really? Oh, like because you were, of uh, what's her face is on it now. That's part of it. But Deb, I've uh, but I've always felt Deb, Debbie 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 Gallagher. Debbie Gallagher the the actress who plays Debbie Gallagher on Shameless is one of Darlene Connors' uh, daughters in this revamping okay. of Roseanne. And then Sarah Chalky is playing Becky again, right? Correct. And what was which funny, not, which is not the original Becky. No, she's the, a, the she was a replacement Becky. No, the original Becky is Becky. The replacement Becky, uh, spoiler alert, is this woman who is trying to have a baby. And the original Becky is going to be the replacement Becky surrogate. Wow, that's that's part of the one of the themes. That was the first episode. That was the first episode. Now that's the, funny. They the, went right the, at the, it. The problem that I had with the show last night is that it felt everything felt so forced. It feels like they're going to take every kind of thing that's a hot topic in America, and we are going to crowbar it on this one family that lives in a small town in Illinois. So it's going to be just Trump. Every week, well, weekend, no, I mean, week there was part. Okay, so you have the Trump versus Clinton thing. They had that dot. They had that angle, and then you have um, Darlene. She has two kids, and one of them, the little boy. Well, you're not sure if he's transitioning or if he's gay, but he's definitely a crossdresser because that happens to everybody. And then you have DJ, who is a war veteran, and he has a biracial kid. So there's that. I mean, it's just like it seems like they're ah. just trying to cram everything on the one family of five in Illinois. It just doesn't. It, to me, it just seemed forced. So I've been watching a. Uh, I've been watching Cheers on Netflix. Okay. I hope to God they don't remake Cheers. I mean. But even given, today, given today's climate, even today, I still laugh really, really hard. I at do the, too yeah. at the jokes on that show, and that's yeah. from the first. I'm still on the first season from 26 years ago. Oh no, 36 years ago. Yeah, 82, 36 years. 36 ago. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when I was watching it last night, I didn't laugh once. Oh, I really? mean, like it was. It, 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 it's not terrible. It's far from terrible. I just thought it was just oh, okay. It was a bit much to me. It was a bit much. Yeah, and I'm to the point where I don't want my comedy shows to be serious. No. I think that's the reason why I love Seinfeld so much. Seinfeld never did a special episode or anything like that. Seinfeld was just goofy the entire time. Yeah. It was just about four neurotic New Yorkers, and that was it. They weren't going to take on any issues. They weren't going to make any kind of social commentary about anything because, you know what, it's a show about nothing, and they knew that. I think that's the reason why I loved it. I think one the biggest problem that I have with all the remakes going on today is just like they think they can put a new spin on like current existing events that's already not been discovered and it just comes out so lame and so plain and just not it just doesn't hit. Well, they they're not the first one to revamp <laughs> the show. Will, they're not. Will and Grace did it. Yep. And then now they're doing it and is now Will and Grace I'm, still on? I I have no idea. I have no I idea even, either. I, I think w- no. It's it's on. Is it now. still on? Okay. I, I think it's still. I don't know if it's currently playing, but they did bring it back. They no, did no, bring I saw it back. That, but I didn't. I haven't seen any promos for it or anything. Maybe oh, I, I haven't either. Yeah. Um. But I did see something on the internet about Helen Hunt talking about bringing back Mad About You. Wow. Who the hell's clamoring for that reunion? Nobody. And then I'm seeing something. The cat, because he loves Paul Reiser. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Paul Reiser is one of the top five nations in the world, according to the great Larry Nichols. It's a tie for two. Now. A- absolutely. Right right there with uh, Jerusalem. And Israel. And Israel. Yeah. Um, 
But I did see something that Dawson's Creek may be coming back oh. as well, too. And I'm like, what the I hell? Saw, I actually saw that today. And I was, why? I, I, All, James Vanderbeek looks like he's he's so been through a little bit of a... James Vanderbeek was on a show called CSI Cyber. Okay. That is, it was on for a couple of seasons. Anytime they do that with with like our generation of, of, of actors from, you know, people that are our age that were like on a show when we were kids, I think they should let them keep the name. So he should be Dawson Leary on the show. That way he could be Dawson all grown up. I got you. And do, I think that would be, I think you'd probably draw in some people. Now, I'm sure you can't use the name because it's all copyrighted and stuff. But, that could be. But find but, a way to get, you know, say, hey, can we just pretend this guy is all grown up now and now he's a CSI investigator. But I mean, that show got 18 million viewers last night. 18 million. That is a, that's an astronomical number in this yeah. day and age for a TV show. How, well, many, how many did Stormy get on Sunday night? Stormy got like 23 million. Yeah, they, I, said, yeah. they said that was the highest rated uh, episode of 60 Minutes since the the the, uh, the last one that was that high rated or, you know, the second yeah. was the one they did with Barack and Michelle after they had won the White House in 2008. Oh, really? So that's the first, that's the highest rated one in almost 10 years. So it's, it was important. And it was a, it was a whole bunch of nothing. I watched yeah, the whole thing. It was nothing. Nothing it was, really it was came out of nothing. it. Nothing. It was absolutely the, nothing. The best thing about that 60 minutes uh episode was was the uh the piece on Giannis. Yes. That was, a great story. that was amazing. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, I was a I was a fan of his before and I'm a even bigger fan now. Yeah. I I I did watch that. I didn't watch the story part, but I watched the Giannis uh, portion. It was just really an inspiring story. And you, just, you didn't miss anything with Storm. I, I didn't plan on watching it, and I don't plan on watching it. Around so. the room is either you or your family. Is, is 60 minutes appointment viewing for you or anyone like your parents or anybody? No. No. You? See, no. And my mom and dad's house, 60 minutes is, is on. I mean, it's, like, it's, a, it's a Sunday night thing. Absolutely. <laughs> and so is CBS Sunday morning. Okay. Wow. And that is probably the best show on television. I watched Meet cool. the Press on Sunday morning, but I mean, I was doing that back when Tim Russert was hosting yeah. it. And I still will watch Go Meet Bells. The Press. I, I still will watch uh, Meet the Press on Sunday mornings. But um, 60 Minutes, it depends on, on, uh, on what their topics are talking about. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, like the only time, I don't watch a whole lot of CBS. So the only time I ever really know what they're talking about is when I'm watching a sporting event. Right. And sometimes a sporting event will go long. Yeah. And then 60 minutes will be on right after that. If yep. it's the NFL season, forget about it. As soon as that oh, last yeah. game's over, I'm, uh, it's right I'm back. In, I'm into bed. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not into bed, but I'm right over to Channel 5 to watch uh, yeah, Football to watch. Night in America and then go. watch a Sunday yeah. night game. There you go. So I, I'm not even paying attention to that. Uh, speaking of Sunday and sporting events, the NCAA, we now have our Final Four. Uh, Loyola, Chicago, Michigan, Villanova, and Kansas. I know all three of us. We we picked that correctly. So there's had, oh, we there's, absolutely did. There's yeah. no reason to discuss any further with that. Back, it's the private. Do not go back to episode two or three or it's and the, listen. It's the, the private. Picks. It's the private last man up bracket. We're not telling anybody else. No, it's like the no. sister, we're not disclosing it's it to like anybody. The sister Jean private bracket. Yeah, we have our own. Much. Sister, we had them all right. Sister Jean, it has become the star of the tournament, and I can't name one player. On Loyola Chicago, I cannot you know name Sister one Jean. Rambler, but I know Sister Jean. Did you see that she was going to get fifteen minutes of like press time? Like she's having her, the NCAA is giving her fifteen minutes of her own press conference. Nobody else, because everybody loves her. I oh. mean, Charles Barkley wants to go on a date with her, and she goes, "That's fine as long as I'm to watch him play." That's disgusting. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think anything's going to happen. I didn't say that. It's just disgusting to look at. 
Well, I mean, I think I think Chuck is just going to like wheel her to uh, you know get an ice cream, and that's going to be the end of it. He'd eat her ice cream. Uh, <laughs> he would eat her ice cream. Oh. I hope that's not that's not a pun for no. Sure it's not a pun. He would he would literally eat her ice cream. She would order it if she could figure it out, and then he would eat her bowl of ice cream because it's Chuck. Watching that KU Duke game, I know by the two of you. But I'm like, okay, who am I going to root for in this? Because I hate both teams. Hate both so I was at my grandparents' house on Sunday, and that while that was on, waiting for 60 minutes to come on. <laughs> it's a You're at your grandparents' house to watch Stormy Daniels? No, they were waiting for 60 minutes. I was going home to watch it. I, but I just wanted to. I got to you. It's like sitting around with Mima and Peepaw and watch this porn star with their, you know, right. their tits out it's, talking about Donald. It's a family gathering. <laughs> when you watch porn, you watch it with your you family. Watch it with your family. So my grandfather is a graduate of the University of Illinois, and he goes, "I don't like that. I don't like that Kansas. I hate Bill Self." <laughs> Well, so go do. There's a reason, yeah. So go do. See, I was the opposite because for one, I mean, you guys both know I'm a big Kentucky basketball fan. So Duke, hating Duke you can't, is just yeah, like, you have to hate. Got to hate Duke uh, for so many reasons. But me, I was so glad to see Grayson Allen's career just oh. end. I mean, I don't know what it is about Duke getting like white shooting guards or like small forwards that the world just hates. But Shashevsky's got it nailed down. Well, I, I started. Well, okay, I'm watching the game. I'm like, okay. I'm going to start cheering for Duke. And then they show Grayson Allen, as you mentioned, and he's got the most punchable face of anybody I've ever seen. A thousand percent. I mean, you, you just see him, and you just want to punch him right in his face. Yes. So you're like, okay, damn it, I can't cheer for Duke. So then you start cheering for Kansas, and then you're like, what am I doing? I'm cheering for Kansas. I can't do this either. Right, because the, so the Mizzou I, side of you is absolutely, just like, no just, it just My body starts to reject it. It's like, you know, you're getting that, that organ transplant and your body starts to attack the organ. My body was attacking me wanting to cheer for Kansas. <laughs> so I'm just like, I can't do this. So I just sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch the game just to watch it. Right. That's, and, what, and, that's what I did because I had no rooting interest either. And it ended up being one of the best games of the tournament. It was it, unbelievable. Easily. It was a really, really good game. Great game. I'm, I wish, glad, I'm glad I got to see it. I wish, honestly, both of them clues. Honestly, I don't think either one of them would have beat. I don't think Kansas beats Villanova. because I don't think they do. I don't know if you guys watch Villanova, but... That is the number one offense. They and are good. So when when, when <laughs> and when they hit, they hit. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, the final is going to be. I think Michigan ends uh, Loyola's. Uh, I think that's when the the, the clock's going to strike midnight on Cinderella. And Sister Jean against, and Sister Jean is going to is going to be against Michigan. So it's going to be Michigan and Villanova. And I think Villanova is going to win their second title in three years. That's my prediction. I I'm going to. I jump hope you're on that right. Board. I'm in a Sweet 16 pool, fifty dollar entry fee. Okay, and I have Villanova. Oh, do you? Okay, on a, on a blind draw. That's that. Oh, oh wow! So, oh, you yeah. really lucked out. Yeah, good for I you. Think, I think Villanova's going to do it. I really I think do. So too. I, it's it's really hard to see another team match up with Villanova. They just have so many weapons. It's ridiculous, and they all shoot the three ball so well, so so well. I mean, Loyola right now they're playing with house money. Yeah, but I have a feeling that they're going to get there. They're going to be like, "Oh bleep, where are we?" And they're just going to get. Like, it's going to be a, a a lemon booty alert, right a tip off, and it's going to go right from alert straight to a warning. Do you think it's a close game, or do you think they get smacked? I think they get smacked. I think they get smacked too. I but, think they get smacked. I think Villanova Kansas will be a close game, but I think Loyola gets smacked. Yeah, I really like Michigan right now. I, they're playing really, really well. well Beeline they, is. They, they start hitting those threes. It's unreal. Unreal team. John Beeline has done a really amazing job with that team. Uh, very quickly, Michael Porter Jr., no surprise. He's declaring for the NBA draft, and he thanks the fans, which I thought was – I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I mean, yeah. like, 
Oh, okay. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the the the, the <laughs> two games and twenty seconds that you played, and they didn't win. Well, they won the opener, but you played twenty seconds. Did you see and the, the two games that you actually played in? They lost. Did you see the highlight film that they released of Michael no. Porter Jr. and his Mizzou career? <laughs> what it was, was like, like eighteen him? seconds long. <laughs> the whole highlight tape of his Mizzou career. I, like, okay, I, I I can't blame the kid, and I'm not mad at him no, for going. Absolutely, but not. I am disappointed that we're not we're never going to see him play because he's going to go to like to the Magic next year, and we're never going to see him. Here's here's this without and without Michael Porter Jr. We don't get Jonte, and we don't get uh, who's the other guy, Blake Harris. Who transferred? Who transferred? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're so right. So there are there are, there are lasting repercussions from having MPJ here. No, there's no question about that. And I, I, I think Hanzo Martin, I think he did enough with what he had at Mizzou, considering uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s injury, that recruits are going to want to go there. He definitely put the position on back on the right track. I mean, Absolutely. he showed that he can oh, recruit yeah. elite level talent. Yes. So to your well, comment, the repercussions both good and bad. Jeremiah some, Tillman, I think you were thinking of. Too. It was yeah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Tillman. Tillman. Who he's going to be a player too if he can learn how to not foul people and just play yeah. defense. But You're right. Yeah. So good luck to Michael Porter Jr. playing for more than likely the Orlando Magic to or the lo- Brooklyn Nets. to a losing organization. Yeah, for the next he, four to he's five going years. to he's going someplace next year, and we're never going to get to see him play, which is disappointing. Disappointing. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Joining us right now on the phone is Joe Schwartz from the Birds on the Black and the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at STL Cup of Joe. And Joe, I know we're a day late here, but happy uh, National Joe Day. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was a thing until yesterday. Uh, Cardinals Gifts was the one who actually told me about that, and I, I actually looked up on Google. It sounds like I could have got some free food yesterday. So They get free I food? I kind of missed the boat on that. Well, I mean, there's always one next year, so you <laughs> just have to cash in on the one next year. I, I, I had to give a shout-out to my favorite Joe, Joe Don Baker, uh, actor from the 70s and really bad uh, – uh, action films like Mitchell and Walking Tall. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but, Joe, uh, the 2018 uh, uh, Major League Baseball season has snuck up on us. It's starting tomorrow. Uh, but it feels like there's not a whole lot of excitement about this uh, this Cardinals team. Would you say you're more excited about this upcoming season or more curious? Uh, I am actually am excited about it. I mean, I, I guess I haven't looked forward to a season as much as I have in the last three years. I mean, we didn't make the playoffs in uh, last season. We didn't make the playoffs the year before. I honestly didn't really think we would make it in either season because I wasn't too confident with the, with the overall talent level of the club. But I like what I'm seeing from the pitching staff. I like what I'm seeing from the offense. And uh, I'm actually excited going into, going into this regular season. The addition that you think is going to make a bigger impact, is it going to be Marcelo Zuna? Is it going to be uh, Miles Nicholas? Or will it be the return of Jose Oquendo? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think it's going to be Marcelo Zuna, honestly. Uh, Miles Nicholas, he's pretty good. Um, I think he's going to be a solid four to five starter. But you really can't look past the cleanup hitter, and that's what Marcelo Zuna provides. I think I read a stat this, uh, on Twitter today that he had – 13 or 14 home runs of over 430 feet last year and there was only 
the Cardinals as a whole only had one more than that last season. So that's a legitimate threat. That's a legitimate bat that's going to help the rest of the lineup, and I'm looking forward to see what he's able to do this season. Joe, do you think uh, there's a, a player that maybe fans aren't talking about that should be talked about more uh, on the St. Louis Cardinals roster right now? Uh, honestly, not really. I feel like, and I don't know if this is because I've been more into more in tune to the situate or to the club with writing for the Athletic and writing for Birds on the Black, but. I don't know. I guess if I was to pick one, because I don't want to be a politician, I want to answer your question. <laughs> it would be it would be Dominic Leone. I think he's talked about a little bit, but it seems like everyone wants to talk about who should be the closer. If Jordan Hicks is going to be the guy, if Mike Myers is going to be the guy. What's going on now that Luke Gregerson is hurt? Well, they, there's a guy out there. His name is Dominic Leone, and I really like his stuff, and I think he's going to be better than what people are giving him credit for this year. Last year, he was really, really good. He was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. So I think instead of looking towards, oh, should we look look into Greg Holland? Should we allow for one of these exciting young arms to take the closer position? Why not just let Leon have it and see what he can do? And I'm pretty sure he'd be successful at it. Speaking of uh, the closer role and kind of the bullpen as a whole, um, news broke uh, recently that Jordan Hicks would be on the Cardinals' a- active roster. Uh, Joe, what can Cardinals fans expect from Mr. Hicks? So what they're going to expect from him is he's going to, he's gonna honestly, his command isn't quite there yet, and that's fine coming out of the bullpen. I honestly am kind of worried about this decision because I feel like they're giving up on him being a starter. I think he has a repertoire of a breaking ball and a changeup and a couple of fastballs that can be successful as a starter. But by installing him in the bullpen at the age of 21 and really not giving him a chance to throw above high A, um, I feel like it's going to stunt his growth in terms of being a starting pitcher. So what they're going to see is they're going to see a guy who throws in the upper 90s He'll hit triple digits every once in a while, um, and he's going to break some ankles with his with his breaking ball. I mean, it's it's filthy. So he's going to be a successful reliever. He's going to have road or speed bumps. That's normal. He's 21 years old, but I'm not thrilled with the decision to uh, call him up already because I feel like it's it's basically turning him into a lifelong reliever when I would have liked to have seen what he was able to do as a starting pitcher. Do you think this is kind of a path that they've done similar with some other pitchers like Carlos Martinez, Trevor Rosenthal, Adam, you know, Wainwright, Adam Wainwright, Lance Lynn, to where they kind of start him off in the bullpen and then eventually transition? Or do you think that he's kind of cemented himself as a permanent reliever? The way they talk about him, to me, it sounds like they're cementing him in as, as a reliever. With Carlos Martinez, it was always said, we want him up now. But down the road, he's going to be a starter. Adam Wainwright, he was a starting pitcher. We knew he was going to be a starter. Um, with the way they talk about Jordan Hicks, though, they just they only talk about what he's going to bring to the bullpen. Now, obviously, things can change and and needs can change. But given the depth of the organization at the starting position uh, at among starting pitchers, I guess I understand it. But at the same time. Uh, 
you can always fail as a starter and then bring him in to be a super reliever instead of just making him a super reliever from the get-go. So unlike the Carlos Martinez, unlike the Adam Wainwright, uh, unlike the Alex Reyes's, I feel like most of the talk has been just he's going to be a, a super reliever and, and he's going to stay there. Joe Schwartz from Birds on the Black and The Athletic joining us right now on the Last Man Up podcast. Uh, the Cardinals announced their opening day roster. I'm not going to go over all the players, but 13 pitchers, two catchers, seven infielders, and only three outfielders. Do you like that uh, that kind of ratio with your team, or is that too many pitchers and not enough outfielders? Uh, in my opinion, I, I'm, I don't really like the 13 pitchers. Um aspect of of making of putting together a 25-man roster but it seems like the Cardinals are intent on doing that I think uh that's what Mike Matheny wants and if Mike Matheny's the manager he's going to get what he wants until he loses his job Um, (laughs) which may never happen at this point well don't say that (laughs) yeah so I I'd like to have more outfielders but I think what they're basically saying is Jose Martinez can play in the outfield. Jairo Munoz can play in the outfield. That's fine as long as the top three outfielders stay healthy. I don't really see a need for a fourth outfielder. Um, So while I think Harrison Bader, I I know Harrison Bader did enough to make the 25-man roster, um, I think the fact that the team goes with 13 pitchers is basically what uh, knocked him out of the 25-man roster. I know people say that Jairo Munoz is the one who took that position from him. I think it's more the fact that the team decides to go with 13 pitchers than Munoz beating out Vader. For the first time in his professional career, uh, Tommy Pham finally has the, the, the full support and faith of a Major League Baseball franchise. What do you think are realistic expectations for the season he could have? Uh, realistic expectations. I mean, we can't go into 2018 and expect him to do what he did last year. I know he and the personality that he has thinks that he can be better. That's fine. I would love for him to be better, but he was simply incredible. Um, his rate stats were just downright unbelievable last year. He deserved legitimate MVP consideration. Um, he didn't get it because he didn't he didn't start with the club, as we all know, the, the Matt Adams left field experiment. That just blows my mind that we were holding Tommy Pham down uh, in order to try that experiment at all, especially knowing how Pham did. So basically what I think we're going to get, we're going to get a 280 hitter. He's going to get on base about 35% of the time. He'll hit 20 to 25 home runs. Uh, he'll steal 20 to 25 bases, just like he did last year. But I don't think he's going to be much better than that, but he doesn't need to be that much better than that. You can't be upset about a 280 hitter, 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 75 to 100 runs batted in. Um, I just don't want people to think that he's just going to get even better than what he was last year because that's not fair to Tommy Pham. Um, Even if he puts that kind of pressure on himself, let's just see how he does. Let's see if he can get to a, a... off to a good start, and he can build from build from the early start in April. Joe, kind of shifting gears, um, you are a pharmacist, am I correct, uh, full-time? Yes, I am. I'm a full-time pharmacist at Schnucks. 
Fantastic. So coming out of uh, the commissioner's office last week, uh, we saw that four minor league players uh, had been suspended for performance-enhancing drug use, uh, one of those being Matt Pierce, who is a AAA pitcher for uh, the Memphis Redbirds, obviously affiliate of the Cardinals. Um, 50-game suspension, so it's the second time around. What do you kind of make of these suspensions, considering the fact that you know all this verbiage is out there and all these things are available for players? Um, how, how does this happen for these guys? I think a lot of it is, and, and if I, I might be wrong, but I thought he got suspended, Pierce got suspended for a drug of abuse, which to me is... You do, you do um, have that right, drug of abuse as opposed yeah, to PED. So, yeah, I think he was just doing what people do. I mean, we know what Alex Reyes got suspended for. So, But in terms of, and, and, and I think it's the double standard is ridiculous, personally. And minor leaguers can't do these drugs. I mean, I, I can't condone drugs of abuse. I'm a pharmacist. DEA, don't come after me. But <laughs> minor leaguers can't do certain things that major leaguers can. Major leaguers don't get tested for the drugs that these drugs of abuse that minor leaguers are getting tested for. I mean, I think it just goes along with minor leaguers are treated so unfairly all across the board. You know, Saris on The Athletic had a piece today that talked about minor leaguers, uh, the amount of money they make, and it is awful. Pitiful. Uh, absolutely awful. Yes, yeah, pitiful. Like, you, you can't even live. Like, you can't even live life as a minor leaguer. But beyond that, in terms of all these failed drug tests, beyond just the drugs of abuse, but in terms of the PEDs, I think it's just people think think they can get away with it, think that they're not a big-name player, so they're not going to be tested as much. But it, it kind of makes me mad as a pharmacist because I think every team should have a pharmacist at least in contact to be able – any player before he takes any substance can shoot that pharmacist a text, can call the pharmacist, can ask the pharmacist to meet up with them at the GNC or wherever they go to get their stuff. But the biggest problem I see is there all these people, when they go home to the Dominican Republic or they go home to Puerto Rico, they say they take a substance that they don't know what's in it. Well, I think that part of that goes on to the team which is why I said maybe to have team pharmacists to be able to keep track of all this stuff. But goes back to the team, they need to have people in place to help be a resource to these players. Because if they do go home, well, they need to have someone at the in the Dominican Republic that can help them with whatever supplements they're taking. I don't know. It it's you're not going to get around it. It's so easy. All the ones that I'm seeing that are testing positive for. The, a drug test that you get from Walgreens could, a, a simple $10 drug test from Walgreens could catch it. So obviously Major League Baseball is going to catch it. I think it's a, it's a knowledge issue. I think it's a responsibility issue. And I think it really is a, an, an issue that needs to be addressed by these owners, by these teams going forward, because it's obvi- it's slowing down a little bit, but it's still happening. The message is loud and clear. Joe Schwartz is available to hire for any Major League Baseball team. We got it. Joe Schwartz is open for business. That's basically um, his job application if, right if here. You, if you really want to control PEDs and this type of thing, you have to make it some kind of clause uh, in their contract that they're, like, the, you know, a portion of the contract is voided if they get caught with one. Because right now, the juice is worth the squeeze, no pun intended, to do a PED. Look at, yeah. D, look at D. Gordon. Yeah. D. Gordon, when he was with the Dodgers, was just okay. And then, you know... 
started doing the PEDs, got a huge contract mm-hmm. from the Miami Marlins, and then gets busted for PEDs, but he doesn't give up any of that money. So if you're D. Gordon, you know that if you don't give a damn about your legacy or if people you know, think that you're a drug sheet, if you don't give a damn about that, why wouldn't you do it, considering the amount of money you're going to make? And look at Melky Cabrera. Melky Cabrera Another great example. A yeah, $100 million contract. After he and then he got busted, well, he still made his hundred plus million dollars. So, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of things that can go on to limit it. I would love to uh, discuss that further, but I think that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> wait, wait, it's it's going to be a long summer, Joe. I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll have you on again <laughs> so we can maybe possibly yeah. talk about that. Um, every year, I keep saying, okay, this is going to be a year that Colton Wong is going to prove me right, and he's going to be. Uh, you know, an all-star or at least playing at an all-star level. Is this going to be year? I'm, is this going to be the year I'm finally going to be right about Colton? Well, I don't think you were about Colton Long last year. I mean, he obviously wasn't an all-star. He slumped down the stretch, definitely. But I think he put forth a good, a pretty good season. I mean, he he decided to change his approach a little bit from going for swinging for the fences to getting on base, and and I think that. That's a good idea for him, given his speed and given his ability on the bases and given his ability to steal bases. Um, But I think the biggest thing for him is, and it's kind of, and I don't want to bring up hockey talk necessarily, but it's kind of like a Jake Allen syndrome where he's really good at making the difficult play. He's really good at coming up in the clutch or, or making the diving play on defense. And then when it comes to the easy plays, or the pitches right down the middle, he seems to miss them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know who the sports psychologist out there is going to be that can tell like Colton Wong, like slow it down on the <laughs> easy plays. Like I don't know if he has to be dialed up at all times or something, but he, he really and I don't think the comparison's perfect, but he really thinks. All right, he really reminds me of Jake Allen when he's able to make these incredible plays in the field. And then a 18 hopper to him, he fluffs it or he throws it into the dugout. Yeah, it's it's, so, it's nonsensical. I what, yeah, I don't think last year was bad, but I think there is room for improvement. And I think the biggest thing with him is how he starts. So I think what he does in April is what we're going to see for the rest of the season. So let's hope he starts off hot. No doubt. Uh, Joe, Matt, and uh, Andy and I made our predictions uh, for who the playoff race and well, who's, who's we'll, going to get we'll in. We'll be making them in the next segment. Well, we did. Yeah, we will be making them in the next segment, I should say. Um, who do you have in the National and American League? Uh, getting the World Series? Getting the World Series, winning the division, the whole kit and caboodle. Okay, so I honestly have the Cardinals winning the Central. Wow. Um, I, I really do. I'm, I'm, that's how excited I am on this year's team. And I honestly think the Cubs the Cubs pitching staff is incredible. Or the starting pitching is incredible. Don't get me wrong. But I think their offense is overrated. I really do. I think their top three hitters at their current stages of their career are pretty good. But I think the fourth or eight isn't that great. So that's why I put the Cardinals in over the Cubs. I think the Cubs will win the, the first wild card or slot into the first wild card. I think the Dodgers will win the West. Nationals will win the East. Um, I haven't even thought of the second wild card, so we'll move beyond that. I think the Yankees will win the AL East. I think the Indians will win the AL Central. I think the um, 
Astros are going to run away with the NL West. I think the Angels will be in the first wild card spot. And then I think it's, it's honestly, I want to say the Cardinals, but I'm going to give this year to the Washington Nationals over the Astros. The Nationals have all these flaws. They can't ever get out of the first round. I understand that. But this is Bryce Harper's contract year. He's about to go sign a $500 million deal. I think he's going to carry that club um, to the World Series, and I think they're going to win. So that's my way too early, not really thought about projections. On the, the spot Nationals prediction. over the Astros. Nationals over the Astros. I like it. Hey, this could be finally the year. Like the Nationals are one of those teams that everybody everybody picks, and they never make it out of uh, of the divisional round. Sports so, Illustrated has picked them what three years now. It in seems a row like to it, win. Yeah. Eventually, one of these days, they're going to be uh, right about. Odds it. are going to uh, shake out. Going to be right about them. Uh, uh, Joe, obviously, that you think they are going to have a, a great season. The Cardinals are, but if the, the 2018 season looks a lot like the 2017 and the 2016 season. Uh, who's going to take the brunt of the blame? Is it going to be Matheny or is it going to be uh, Mosellock? Uh, it's going to be Mike Matheny. I think uh, while people are trying to blame John Mosellock, um, I think what he did this offseason, I think he did the best he could do. I don't think there were any monumental moves out there that would have put them into clear favorite divisional, clear favorites for the division. He tried to get John Carlos Stanton didn't work. I hate that we're going to use that as like a crutch from now on to say that, oh, well, they had John Carlos Stanton, but he just didn't accept it. I think it's honestly better for the team. I think that would have uh, basically hampered their future spending power. Um, I know people will then mock that, spending power, Cardinals, whatever. But I think what they did with the coaching staff around Mike Matheny with bringing back Jose Okendo bringing in Willie McGee, bringing in Mike Maddox. It's basically a perfect world and a perfect environment for Mike Matheny to succeed. If they don't, and if they miss the playoffs for the third straight year, he has to go. No matter how much adversity he deals with, he just has to go because they have made his coaching job so much easier (laughs) with the amount of knowledge and the brain power around him, that it's up to him to finally get out of the, the missed playoff rut and go on a playoff run. No doubt. I think Matt and I are both in agreement there. I didn't want to hire Mike Matheny to begin with. So, I mean... You could put that yeah. stake in the ground right now. You could put that stake in the ground right now. Yeah, I, Whenever they hired him, I'm like, okay, so someone who's never managed on any level is suddenly going to be managing one of the crown jewels of the National League. The, the Cardinals, I'm sorry, are not one of those teams where they do on-the-job training. Mm-mm. If you want to learn how to manage, go to a team like you know the Reds the Marlins. Or, or the Marlins or the Brewers the or, Padres. or the Pirates. We are the best fans in baseball. <laughs> we deserve better than that. <laughs> we don't want your Little League team and your Little League manager. We are tired of it. That is our picket line forming outside <laughs> the last man up headquarters. Those are the people right there with the uh, with the the torches and the pitchforks ready to storm Cashel Matheny uh, if the 2018 season does not go well. Joe, we appreciate your time, sir, uh, and we look forward to having you on again. We'll have the discussion about minor league players and how they are, are basically paid like paupers. Yeah, I'd love to have a full entire podcast about that because I've got a lot to say. And I feel like uh, 
I don't necessarily have a platform to write about it. So yeah, I'd love to talk about it sometime. And, and thanks for having me on. And, and uh, I look forward to doing this again. Absolutely. Anytime, mm. Joe. is great. Thanks, Joe. Yep. See ya. That is Joe Schwartz from the Birds on the Black and the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at STL Cup of Joe. Yeah, minor league baseball players. I mean, I the the latest uh, the omnibus bill that the president signed um, was it a couple weeks ago? Last week, I can't mm-hmm. keep track of anything anymore. Everything's just so what do they make? Up. Like forty grand a like forty grand a year? That's, oh, uh, that's whoa, yeah, no, maybe like a quarter of that. Yeah, really? They yeah. they maybe make eleven hundred dollars a month. Yeah, and. Really? Ours, yes. They get what meal stipend and like you get cheap ass hotel rooms. Oh, but. not even that. I mean, it's it's like what's that movie with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. where he's the pitcher? Oh, Summer Catch. Summer Catch. Great film. So it's a little like that that movie Summer Catch where you're like basically living at someone's house and you're renting a room. Are you not talking a about house, AAA not, players too? We're talking a whole system. A whole system. Really? Yeah. yeah. Now, okay, like if you were drafted, if you were like a first round draft pick, sure, and you signed. Oh, I mean, you're you're a bonus baby. You're 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 like Nuklelouch and, and Bull Durham, yeah. where you know you know wh- you know what's he giving me a bunch of shit for? You know, I'm the one with the million dollars in the Porsche, right? So you're you're Nuklelouch. You you got that big contract, but I mean, if you were like a a single A or a double A player, odds are you're never going to make it to the major right. leagues. Mm-hmm. But you're still you know, you want to play baseball, and you're being paid like eleven hundred dollars a month to do that because. The way they look at it, the, because they're they're paid by the major league team, they're not paid by the minor league team. Mm-mm. And the way they're viewing these minor league players is that they're seasonal employees; they're not full time employees. Well, that's a that's the, I think the biggest takeaway is people think like, oh, eleven to two, you know two grand a month, like over the span of twelve months. That's a lot, you know. That's not no, no, terrible. No, over six months. No, it's over six months. Yeah, and, it's it's over six. Months. Those, actually, it's, actually, it's over five months. It well, is, it's even shorter for those short season guys who yeah. only play during the summer. And it's not one of those. I mean, playing minor league baseball. It's not one of those things where you can. It's not like your your summertime softball league where you're playing after you get off work and it's at the same field every night. No, you're traveling. You have practice. You have other obligations that you have to do. So it's kind of hard to do a full time job and be a, a minor league baseball player at a the close, same time. A close friend of our family was a pretty much a a, a full time minor league baseball player for God fifteen years. Mm. Spent some time in the in the uh, in the majors. With the Cardinals and the Rockies, yeah, but I mean, spent most of his time at AAA. It's a tough road to navigate. Man, totally tough. tough. Road. I remember when I, I was—I didn't realize it was that bad. It's, it's pretty it's, bad. It's terrible. I remember when I was in eighth grade, um, had an eighth grade lock-in, and one of the teachers' husbands was a minor league pitching prospect for the Philadelphia Phillies. And you know, when we had this lock-in, it was towards the end of the year, so it was you know, kind of like baseball season. So we were we're in the gym, we're playing catch, and the first time I ever saw a knuckleball was when he threw me one like a cross, like it was about like a half court, I guess, or whatever it was. I'm in eighth grade, so what are you like, you know, 14, 13, 14 13 years old? Mm-hmm. So here came this knuckleball. I've never seen one before in my entire life. So I'm trying to catch it. And I'm like, I'm freaking out because I've never seen one before. And it went right over my glove and hit me right in the nuts. <laughs> Heartwarming story about Isn't it though? Time Matt, Matt Berger got embarrassed at a lock <laughs> Well, that that wasn't the only thing that embarrassed me at lock-in. I'm not going to go any further. It's like in the movie yeah. 61. Bring out bring out the big glove. Oh, they're bringing in Wilhelm. Oh my goodness. But the the baseball season is upon us and uh thanks to Joe Schwartz, we're going to have him on again. 
I would imagine many times, many times throughout this this season. So thanks to him, STL Cup of Joe is where you can follow him on Twitter. <laughs> You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Want to thank Joe Schwartz from Birds on the Black and the Athletic for joining us. He was great. Looking forward to having him on again yes. throughout the the Major League Baseball season. Now, uh, Clay, what you and I, what we're going to do is that we are going to go down the 2018 season and kind of like make our predictions on what we think is going to happen. I'll go first. Um, I think that the NL East, I think the Nationals are going to win the NL East. I have the Cubs winning the NL Central. I have the Dodgers winning the NL West. I have the two wild cards in the National League. I have the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks winning the wild cards. In the American League, I have the Yankees winning the East, the Indians winning the Central, the Astros winning the West, and I have the Twins and the Red Sox uh, winning the wild cards in the American League and in my World Series St. Louis is not going to be happy with me with my prediction on the World Series and who's going to win. I have a Yankees-Cubs World Series, and I have the New York Yankees hoisting pennant number 28 so they can lord that over us for all eternity. How many many home runs do you think the Yankees hit this year? Oh, my God. I I think John Carl Stanton, I I don't think he's going to hit 73 or 74. No, he doesn't have to. But I, I think he's going to hit close to 60. That team might set the record. I mean, they, very easily with him and Aaron Judge. Yeah, yeah. How could they not? It was they're, tough they're that they lost be, Bird, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. The Yankees gonna are. Gonna they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to be dangerous team if they can get their pitching too. Oof. Um, in terms of my predictions, uh, National League Central, I also have the Cubs winning. Washington will win the National League East. The West, I have the Dodgers as well. Um, wild card, I'm conflicted. I honestly think between the Cardinals and the Brewers, one of those teams from the Central will be the wild card. The other, I really like Colorado. Okay. So that's yeah. National League. American League West, I have Houston. Um, the East, I have the Yankees. Uh, the Central, I have the Indians. And wild card, I have the Red Sox. And who else did I have? I have to look this up. Who's I have, your, who's I your have, pick? I have Houston in the NL Central. They're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it again? Yeah. Um, who was your wild card 2005. pick? My wild card pick For in the AL? American League was Twins and Red Sox. I like the Twins. Yep. That was my other pick. I think that the wild card and actually both leagues are going to be wide open. I, I feel really confident on who I think is going to win the uh, the divisions. But as far as the wild card goes, I think in both leagues, I think they're wide open. You're, you're talking about the Colorado Rockies. It wouldn't shock me. It would. It, would, it would even shock me if the, if the New York Mets got in there with their pitching. It wouldn't surprise me, too, if the Diamondbacks were sneaky at the end of the year. I mean, they've got some injuries right now, but in terms of the NL West, like, I see the Diamondbacks being potential in terms of, you know, making some noise and possibly a run at the wild card. Nobody beats the Dodgers in that division. I don't think so either. I think it, it would not surprise me to see the Diamondbacks in the conversation, at least at the end of the year. If someone did beat the Dodgers, it'd be really shitty. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> oh, okay, because of what happened at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was the quickest joke I could come up with. Uh, not bad. Yeah, not bad. If we had an applause uh, sound effect, I would say go ahead and give yourself the applause sound effect. I have to dig one up. I, I, but, don't, I don't uh, have one handy. Dodger Stadium is one of those stadiums that I've never been to, but I would love to. I actually, I would love to do, like, whenever the Cardinals do, like, their West Coast trip, you know, they start at San Diego and then go to Los Angeles and then go to San Francisco and take the PCH the entire way. 
I think that would be one hell of a road trip. I so think that'd be a lot of fun. I've been to Dodger Stadium, went to a game two years ago, I okay. want to say, two years ago, and I will tell you, that place is a dump. Oh, it I mean, is it's an ab- absolute dump it in is terms the, of a ballpark. The, the third oldest stadium in, uh, in Major League Baseball and behind uh, Fenway and Wrigley. I went to Wrigley, and I went there and was like, this place is a dump, but at least it's kind of historic and kind of nostalgic with the Ivy and stuff. Dodger Stadium, you go there, and like this could easily just be a warehouse or a bus depot. Is that the worst stadium you've ever been to? Uh, hands down. And the parking lot situation is a bloodbath. I mean, they have those people getting jumped out in the parking lot and stuff. It does not. That thing is like 10 miles long in terms of parking lot. The parking lot is? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Some people say the Dodger Stadium is their favorite stadium to go to. Well, those people are smoking crack. (laughs) (laughs) Worst stadium you've been to? I've only been to Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium and Bush Stadium. Okay. I have not. I've been around Wrigley. I've never been to a game at Wrigley. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've been to a ton. I've only I've been to Kaufman. I've been to Bush. Yeah. I've been to Shea Stadium, and I've been to uh, the new City Field mm-hmm. in Queens as well. And the Shea old, was a dump, wasn't Shea it? Shea was a dump. Oh my God, was Shea a dump? Shea was really bad. Kaufman is actually surprisingly nice. If really? you haven't been to Kaufman, Kaufman's amazing. Which is the same era as Dodger Stadium. They're very similar in in, in shape, right? In shape and kind of dimensions. Yeah, kind of, sort of. In that mid '60s kind of deal. Yeah, a little bit. The weird thing is, is that you know there there aren't any real outfield sitting uh, seats in yeah. at, at Kaufman Stadium. You know, because they have well, I mean, they had a lot more of the fountains out there. They still do have the fountains and the waterfall, but now they got like this the scoreboard and they got. But they tried to build like some party areas out there, right? Because yeah, they did out there now. Absolutely, Uh, the food at Kaufman is amazing. the The best food I've had at baseball is at Kaufman Stadium. Is it just though that you're comparing it to Bush Stadium, or is it actually legit? Well, no, just my opinion. Okay. Yeah, this isn't anything official. This is just my opinion. You won't go. You won't go on record. I will not go on record. (laughs) Okay. I mean. The four Major League Baseball stadiums I've been to, I enjoy the food at Coffin Stadium the best. <laughs> All right, so uh, favorite two of, the, two of the stadiums were I the think, same club. I think a, a Bush Stadium Jumbo Dongs, a Jumbo Dong, Jumbo Dog. <laughs> whoa, whoa, we know what's on your mind. <laughs> Jumbo Dog has got to be one of the best hot dogs around. Did you have a Dodger Dog when you were there? Um, you know what? I didn't think I. I think I got a hot pretzel, like okay. a square. I was just really cat, feeling a hot pretzel. The cat says that Dodger Dog is the most overrated hot dog in all of sport. I heard Scott Farrell. If you don't, if you anybody knows who Scott Farrell is, he does overnights on CBS yeah, yeah. Uh, Radio. He talks like this, or he talks. He's, he's hysterical. Yeah, and he calls Farrell on the bench. Yeah, he he calls Dodger dogs ass missiles. That's what he calls them. <laughs> ass he calls them. He calls them ass missiles. Very um, descriptive. Yeah, very descriptive <laughs> statement. I don't even know the words to get around that statement. That's funny. So I do have to ask you guys: If Bush Stadium's not the favorite stadium, what is your favorite stadium? That I've been to? That you've been... I mean, you you say you like Kaufman, but is it the favorite out of the four? No, I said the food there is the best. Is it the... Fa- what's the favorite out of the four? Oh, I mean, I I'll, I have to say Bush. Just call, say call, Bush? Me, call me being a homer, but I just like the way that the city skyline is in the background. Yeah. I like that. Like, okay, where City Field is out in Queens, it's really not in the best uh, neighborhood. No. And there's... Say- it was right by LaGuardia. It's, well, or, or, yeah, Shea was like that too. Yeah, but there's no real scene like you know. No, um, it, I think Kaufman's like that too. I think Kaufman. I mean, you have that view of I seventy. Could mm-hmm. you imagine how much better Kaufman would be if it was downtown? You had the right. Kansas oh, City yeah. skyline in the background. I mean, and they but they just didn't build stadiums like that back then. No, no, they did. I mean, it's, it's not the fault of the, of the people that have the Royals now. I mean, that yeah. stadium's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always felt that way about the, the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. 
It faces I mean, the wrong like, way. Yeah, they do. They have it face the wrong way. It feels like when you're watching the game on TV and you have the, uh, you know, whenever there's a, a you know a, a ball in play, you always have it from the advantage that you're sitting behind home plate. Yeah. And you're like, where is the stadium? Is in the middle of nowhere? And then when you have the view from the outfield looking into home plate, you're like, oh, well, there's a Cincinnati skyline. Why didn't they just flip <laughs> yeah. it around so you could see the city skyline? Yeah, they, 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 they had it facing the wrong way. They had the blueprint backwards. Um, Favorite stadium, Hanselman. I mean, of the of course, you know the ones you've been to, obviously. I mean, Yankees, old Yankee Stadium was kind of cool, but also a dump. I mean, you know, yeah. I could barely walk but, around the concourse without hitting my head but on a, on a I, cross beam. <laughs> I've been in New York more times than almost any other city outside of St. Louis. I've been in New York five times, and I'm going again this summer. Um, and my one regret is that I never made it to, to the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah. I never made it there. I was there the um, it was in 2003, and they were playing the World Champion Angels. And uh, Moose started. Okay. So um, I want to go to AT&T Park in San Francisco, and yep. I want to see a game yeah. at PNC yep. in, in Pittsburgh. Same here. I think yeah. I've heard those just look incredible. Yeah. I, I think at PNC, you'll probably be able to get uh, tickets pretty easily. I don't think that'll be difficult <laughs> at all. It's not going to be hard. <laughs> Same thing with the Giants, too. The Giants are not off to a good start with Madison Baumgartner. He's going to be missing several weeks. And their whole team is probably 37 or older. Yeah, they have an old team, too. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they're doing in San Francisco, but they are not going to be too competitive. Yeah. I got to say, uh, favorite ballpark I've been to is Fenway, hands down. Okay. I mean, it's not even not even close. Is I, it also a dump? It's like a it's like a special kind of dump. Honestly, like it's a like Boston is a really I don't know if you guys have ever been to Boston, but Boston is so rich and it's like it's boroughs and it's little communities oh, you know sure. right outside the city. It's such a rich you know city with tradition and history, but not very welcoming to outsiders. It is it is not. And I think that's what makes it so awesome is the fact that all the people there are so into the game. I mean, it's a lot like Bush and a lot like Cardinals fans and Red Sox fans are a lot alike because Red Sox so much, fans are smart. They're very passionate, very smart fan base. But man, looking out of that green mon- I my my seats were uh, behind home plate, and looking out of that green monster and just you know seeing seeing that, it was just it was special. You've been to both. You've been to Wrigley and you've been to Fenway. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which stadium it is that I've heard this, or maybe it was just kind of one of those old wives' tales. Where the bathrooms are so old that they have the troughs. That's uh, Wrigley. It's Wrigley. It's a Wrigley. It's and, disgusting. And the troughs are where you face each other. It's not one where you have your back to everybody. You are like, you yeah. know, there's a trough right in the middle so you could be on each side. So you'd be there taking a leak and there'd be a guy with his thing out right in front of you taking a leak too. I'm like, what What kind of sick thing is this? <laughs> Who thought of this? This is really they, disgusting. They peed weird back in the old days. They just didn't care, I guess. <laughs> First game I went to at Wrigley was when I was a kid, went with the family. Um, these were back when like Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez days. Like okay. the Cubs were trying to be good, but they still really sucked. Yeah. So I went, went with the family and went to the bathroom and saw these troughs and was just so confused. I was like, you know, dad, what is this? You know? And I looked down, I'm going to the bathroom and I see a poo right in the middle of the trough. (laughs) Someone had taken, how do you do that? Someone had taken a dump in the trough and it scarred me forever. Uh, And it scarred my opinion of Wrigley even more than it already (laughs) was. Burger road trip to Pittsburgh. We'll take the show on the road. I like that idea. Yeah. Let's do it. Nine hours, 585 miles. Nine hours. We load up, we load up in the old gray minivan and we can just have ourselves Hey, a little weekend in Pittsburgh. We with re- the, uh, last uh, record man a couple podcast. episodes on the way down. Absolutely. Here we are on the road. We're, we're, <laughs> we're we talking about the signs that we're passing. I like <laughs> right. it. We could be there by noon tomorrow. <laughs> Do it. Special thanks to uh, Joe Schwartz. 
uh, from Birds on the Black and The Athletic for joining us. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at STL Cup of Joe. Everybody have a very happy Easter. Have a happy Passover. Want to give a shout out to Chris Duncan. We know he's going to go two for two against Cancer Man. Kick it in the ass, buddy. We're all pulling for you. <laughs>